Fantasists and zealots can be found on both sides of the debate over guns in America. On the one hand, many gun rights advocates reject even the most sensible restrictions on the sale of weapons to the public. On the other, proponents of stricter gun laws often seem unable to understand why a good person would ever want ready access to a loaded firearm. Between these two extremes, we must find grounds for a rational discussion about the problem of gun violence. Neil, how are you doing this evening? Pretty good. This is uh, topical today. It is. Uh, well, today and many days today in America. Many days. Yeah, especially yeah. this in the last year in particular. Yeah, it seems to have escalated. And I don't, I, we should have probably looked this up before, but has there actually been an escalation in school shootings? There's uh, been an escalation in mass shootings. Right. That's certainly true. I mean, as we get into the article, they tend to happen at schools right. for a very good reason. But definitely in mass shootings. That's where I was going with it, right? You wouldn't think this would be controversial, but there's a controversial definition of mass shootings, right? Right. So you, people probably heard there's been like a mass shooting every day for the last year or something. That's not really true. In that definition, they're saying a mass shooting is any shooting where a gun is involved and at least four people die, basically. Four people are shot or four people die? Four people are shot. Okay. Yeah. But as I understand it, most of that is gang violence. Right. It's like the vast majority of it is gang violence. Right. So if it's like one gang versus the other and four people get shot, it's yeah. not the same That's as a school shooting. shooting. It yeah. shouldn't be defined as the same as a school shooting. But when you want a really good headline in the New York Times and you can, you know, play with the statistics a bit to say, oh, there's been a mass shooting every day in the last year, then that's where you end it's up. It's a really good statistic. It's a great statistic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but you'll notice a suspicious number of them are in like Southside Chicago right. and bad parts of New York. But I do think of course even like one school shooting is absurd but yeah. like getting back to the piece the article that we're covering today is called the riddle of the gun by sam harris which i had come across i think maybe like a year or so ago i know it's an older article than that probably yeah right? well he wrote it at least four or five years ago yeah maybe longer i think i hadn't read it until last year when a friend shared it online and it was one of the few sensible things i ever saw shared on facebook about this topic but i mean just right off the bat one thing i never knew was how I didn't know Sam Harris trains with guns. Yeah. And I didn't know he had so much skin in the game. Shout out to a previous episode. Exactly. <laughs> uh, skin in the game when it comes to guns, where like, you know, a lot of us who talk about it, I'm like, I've shot a gun. I don't own a gun. I don't know about you. Have you, have you shot a gun? I've shot guns. I don't own You guns. don't own a gun. Right. So like, we're not as much skin in the game as Sam Harris, but a lot of people who talk about it haven't even shot a gun. They've never even like held a gun in their life, right? And are talking about it. And I think they're probably, I think a lot of people like Sam Harris are probably scared to talk about it because it's so easy to get sort of, I don't know, just destroyed in the media for yeah. being pro-gun. Or, I mean, you know, it's it's just not a nice, nobody wants to put themselves in that situation. But we do need more people who really know what they're talking about, like Sam Harris, to be talking about it, you know, in a rational way, as we'll get into. And, you know, he has... He makes points on both sides. Right. I would go further and I'd say it's not just that it's dangerous to be pro-gun. It's dangerous to not be anti-gun. Ah, yes. Right. That's a better way of putting it. Especially yeah. right now. It seems like if you're it's even... It's probably in different social circles, right? Like in yes, our social circle, I would say that's very true. Yeah. Okay. If you're if you're like a coastal elite, right? Yes. If you're living in more rural America, then it's, it's probably the opposite. Rural. Exactly. But yeah, coastal, upper middle class, white collar tech yuppie style person, then yeah, it's... Or the type of person who, you know, walks around listening to 
podcast in a major city, right? <laughs> For most of the listeners, hey, we don't want to make assumptions. No, I, I, our listeners, but I, I would. I make think it's a fair stereotype. Yes. I think it's a fair stereotype. Okay, <laughs> I will stick with that. <laughs> I would. I would venture to say you're right. Okay. Yeah. To the five of you who are not, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Nat is generalizing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's that's the next episode. But yeah, there is this element where it's almost dangerous to not be ardently anti-gun. But for a lot of the points that come up in this article, he makes really good arguments against being entirely anti-gun. And, and the reason I wanted to do this article personally was that this article actually changed my stance oh, really? when I first read it a couple of years ago. And I don't remember when. OK, I actually I only read it a year ago. Maybe we read it at the same time. Might have. Because something had just happened. Yeah, I think one of the school. It was August of... No, it was 16, right? Was it 16 or 17? Well, we... So if I'm thinking that we read it at the same time, we read it in August of 17. Okay. I think oh, I no, read 16. It. I think it was 16, it was 16. actually. Yeah, now that you're saying that, I think I read it yeah, 16, yeah, not right. last year. My mind is still in 2017, apparently. Yeah. Huh. I can't remember what was going on then. Anyway. Probably a school shooting, to be honest, or some shooting. Something. Okay. Yeah. One was Vegas. No, Vegas was much... Vegas, Vegas was, was 17. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then I read this article and it was like, oh, wow, okay, this is actually pretty good arguments on, you know, multiple sides of this. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing in it that is worth starting out with is there's kind of two ways you can talk about guns and like gun regulation. And one is the sort of perfect world scenario, which is, you know, oh, in a perfect world, there would be no guns and nobody would be allowed to have guns. But we don't live in that world. We have to, you know, create regulation and rules and adapt to the world we do live in. Right. And so given the current status of what's going on, what is sensible regulation? And that, I think, is the mindset you have to come into this piece and the regulation itself with. Yeah. Well, I would, I mean, I, <laughs> this time I would go further, yeah. right? I'd say, I'd say that's the mindset you should go into any sort of political examination in, with, yeah. right? Like compared to philosophy, right? Yes. It's like okay, if, we're, yeah. if we're waxing about political right. philosophy, yeah. you know, what's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. the Rawlsian, ideal, utopian, democratic structure, right? Like then yeah. we're free to do that. But for this, it's like, all right, what do we do about guns now? Yeah, and it's also like, it brings up a good, we'll obviously get into this too, but brings up the good point of like, we got to talk about gun problems in America, yes. not in you know, Japan or, you know, I know we've talked about that on previous episodes where Japan actually provides a really good, yeah, there are things to learn from, but one thing that, uh, America uniquely has is I believe the stat is true, more guns than people. And that's a uniquely American problem. So it's just a different situation, right? right. I mean, there's things you can learn and models you can use, but it's a, the on the ground reality is different here than it is anywhere else in the world. So to compare it anywhere to anywhere else in the world it's useful as a guiding you know maybe principle but it's not necessarily like a one-to-one -one comparison you can't copy and paste yeah. from another culture right and then culturally we're different too i mean it's just a different place well and i don't know if there's any other major country that has something about guns built into its constitution yeah right i don't know if there is i've actually. never heard of something like the second amendment in other countries but there you know, might be but you know the one really interesting thing i was talking about this with my so like i'm definitely more centrist on this issue than my parents are my parents are very anti-gun like they don't own one and you know that's probably like i would say like the most liberal thing about them is that like, <laughs> like by far is probably their gun stands like they if it was up to them they'd probably not be guns right like they're one of those like almost ideal world type of people i think my dad's shot a gun once my mom has probably never held a gun i think like one unique thing about america and this is probably why it's in the constitution is like and you might not be able to separate this from america itself right is like we start with the individual not the collective, right? And I feel like many other places, even places that are somewhat individual freedom oriented, still start with the collective almost and then scale down to the individual of what you're allowed to do. So here it's like, 
the argument for guns, right, is like you should be allowed to defend yourself. That's one of the, the main arguments that people make. And when you view it through the lens of like individualism, it's like, yeah, like, why can't you go defend yourself? And why can't you have the means at your disposal to go do that? You know, if the criminal is going to have a gun, like I should be able to buy a gun and I'm a law abiding citizen, right? So, okay, that's the argument. But I would argue that there's also like an economic bent to that too. And like America is a very economically individualistic place as well. And I think those things weirdly go hand in hand. Like it's almost like hard to separate those things out because it's kind of like in the DNA, the constitution is arguably like the DNA of the country, right? Of like individual first, not like collective view first. Like it would be much better for society to never have had guns in the first place. Let's put maybe, right? I'm just gonna, let's go down that thread, right? Let's say that's better. But like in a totalitarian society, you could confiscate all the guns or at least try to. In America, that would not fly. There's no chance you could confiscate all the guns in America. Like there are plenty of people who would try to fight back and like it would be a complete disaster. Yeah. But like I feel like in China, that might not be a complete disaster because the DNA of the country is very collective. Even Japan, I would say in many ways, is much more collective than America. Like we even talked about in the Hiroshima episode. So it'd be harder to get Americans to comply with. We tend to view our, I mean, we talked about this, I think in Sovereign Individual too, is like we almost view ourselves as, well, not almost, we definitely view ourselves as, and our other people that we view as, you know, maybe our community as being more important than the country. Like, remember, we we're talking about the whole like yeah. volunteering, you know, it used to be like volunteering to serve or being drafted used to be like a patriotic duty. And we were talking about it, it's like, it would have to be a very specific type of conflict for me to be like, okay, I would voluntarily go and be super thrilled about it, right? Like the Iraq war was probably not going to motivate me to go volunteer for the military. And it's just a, America has a different mentality. Whereas Japan, it's like, at least back in World War II, when we were reading about it, it's a very collectivist, like they almost view the individual as being part of the country as opposed as like a cell within the body of the country, yeah, as opposed to the individual being its own sort of thing. It's probably a mix, right? It's hard to generalize that broadly, but I think you probably get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would disagree that that is an important foundation of it. I think it actually has a lot more to do with what we come back to later of it or what comes up in the article later of it being kind of a hedge against tyranny. Oh, okay. You think that's more built into the DNA? I think that is much more the source. I mean, that's why it's in the Constitution, right? It's not that you're allowed to have guns. It's that states are allowed to have militias. And, you know, to have a militia, the citizens need to have guns. Guns, right. And that was really put in there because, I mean, mostly because it was like, hey, we're going to try this you know, states thing. Yeah. But if that doesn't work and, you know, the president becomes a tyrant and tries to control everything, the states should be able to fight back. Right. Has happened once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has happened, right? And I think Harris makes a good point later on in the article that you'd really have no chance, right? If you're But I do think to bring up what the point you said, I, that was one thing I actually disagreed with him on because it's like right now, maybe so this was not true during the Civil War, but right, right. now, most of the military power I would say comes from the South. Not the money. Well, I but, mean, as an individual. Right. As an individual, right. you got no chance, right? Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if you had, like, 20 states that were like, you know what? Fuck the federal government. Like, we want to be on our own. You might have a bigger issue now than you did during the Civil War. I don't know, though, because... The money is still concentrated in the North, for sure. I mean, forget geography. I mean, military resources. I'm saying people in the military. But people... The military skews very conservative. Yeah, but it skews very nationalist. Uh, yeah, that's true. So the same thing happened actually in the Civil War. So I just finished the next book I read on Lincoln, which is number six now. The people who started, the, which is very like, it sounds batshit crazy when you read it now, mm -hmm. but they thought they were being patriotic. Oh, I like, see. Like they were like, oh, this is what the actual constitution means. And like, this is what America means. And then it was basically arguing over two different views of what America is. Right. So both sides thought they were being patriotic. 
and I would argue the same thing could happen now because like think about who's like the Tea Party and like the people who are very nationalistic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. People who don't like people kneeling for the national anthem and like like those people tend to skew conservative. Not tend to be skewed. They usually are conservative. Yeah. So I'm just saying that like that tyranny argument as an individual makes no sense, right? Like you're not, if it's you versus the federal government, you're fine. Right. But if it was like. Well, but, but even on a broader scale, right? I think that a lot of the interest in preserving that right comes from this generalized fear about. Tyranny in general. Tyranny. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, I don't, you know, I know that I can't do anything as an individual, but if I know that everybody else in my state can have guns, then the government's going to think twice about just rolling in yeah. and taking over. It also makes us like a very protected country from an invasion. Yeah, that's I think too. Chris Rock has said this in one of his, <laughs> one of his skits where, do we talk, I don't think we talked about this, where yeah. how Iraq fell in like three weeks when we went in and he was like, you couldn't, he's like, no country could take over Baltimore in three weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Probably I mean, true. Like, yeah, well, if there was like a World War II, you know, total like war invasion. land invasion, right, where you're just trying to go through, burn everything, right? If all the citizens have guns, you're quite a bit stronger. <laughs> right, than right? just your military. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like try invading like New York, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Texas is a... <laughs> That'd be like trying to invade Russia, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just big. It's hot instead of cold. Yep. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably dive into more of the article. Yes. So you, you already pointed out the one important piece of the intro, which is that Harris owns guns and spends a full day every month or two training with an instructor, right? Which I think is a really important caveat for this article, because yep. a lot of the people talking about guns in the media don't know anything about guns. And I'll also say a lot of the people who might be pro-gun maybe haven't trained ever like yeah. with an instructor, don't really know. How, now, I'm not saying everybody, but like there probably are people who don't really know that much about safe gun use. Right. Because that's one thing he keeps saying. Yeah, like, there is safe gun use and unsafe. But there's also this element of if you talk about it and you really clearly don't know what you're talking about, anybody who is remotely educated on guns is going to be immediately unreceptive to your point, right? You have to show that you've put in the work yep. before you can be taken seriously. And I guess we're being a little hypocritical <laughs> in saying that, but we're, we're, we're talking about his argument. I mean, I saw yep. this thing on Twitter the other day. It was related to Well, Parkland. I wouldn't say we're making like an argument in favor or no. against, right? So like, yeah. I, I don't know about you, at least I'm, I still have no clue what the right solution to this yeah. stuff is. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're presenting his interpretation in our commentary. Yeah, like I wouldn't say I'm making a recommendation because I don't know enough. <laughs> Go buy a gun. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> Not actually. But no, I, I saw something on Twitter the other day where it was like a Parkland school. It was one of those like things that you sign. What is it called? Oh, uh, petition? petition type yeah. things. And the header image for the petition was somebody like reloading a handgun and they had the handgun with the magazine out in one hand and the magazine in the other hand and the bullets in the magazine were loaded backwards right so everybody was just like making fun of this it's like clearly somebody has no idea what the hell they're doing or it's right? like those like people who think that you know ar is assault rifle 15 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that i haven't heard that before is that it <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that before. Oh my! Although God, now amazing. that I say that out loud, the person could have been joking. But like, I wonder if there are. You never know. That's that. the yeah. amazing thing about Twitter, <laughs> or just the internet in general. They're like, well, the letters are the same, I guess. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? Uh, there were fourteen assault rifles before.
before it. This is the 15. It's like WD-40, right? Water deterrent number 40. They tried 39 water deterrents. The 40th was the best one. They tried 14 assault rifles. The 15th was the best one. <laughs> they just stuck with that. Exactly. They stuck <laughs> with it. Okay. No, but I actually but, think going back to what you're talking about, like where somebody who's qualified is sort of laying out both sides. Weirdly enough, this is probably just because it's top of mind. But remember when we were talking in Amusing Ourselves to Death about the Lincoln-Douglas debates briefly? Yeah. About how uh, they sort of had these three-hour-long debate kind of things? Well, a big part of that was laying out the other side's argument actually as well as they possibly could and then proceeding to tear it apart line by line. Right. And I think that's a really effective way to make a point. And the opposite way of doing that is completely have no idea what you're talking about and misrepresent everything the other side is saying. It's So the, the difference is taking the strongest argument that the other side can make and then dismantling it versus the weakest. And this is the problem that we see with a lot of these types of issues. And I think just because it's relevant right now, we're seeing it a lot with the gun control, where especially the kids who you know were at Parkland and are now really activists, is that they commit probably the worst example of this, yeah. where there's not really any effort to understand the argument on both sides. And it's just sort of, you know, tearing down anyone remotely pro-gun saying like, oh, well, you just want to be able to like kill people. And there's a school shooting every day, right? Like somebody said that. One of the kids said that on one of those interviews, right? But at it's one like, level, you can almost forgive the kids because like they're high school students. Right. I don't think they get that out. Right. Yeah, if you were going right. to decide to be know. this like public That's person, That's a good point. you have to try to be mature about it. I've just and seen way more egregious things with the media. The media could be way worse. And that there's <laughs> a second side of this. The second side is that the media doesn't punish those kinds yeah. of arguments because it like gets attention and gets clicks. Right. And so you <laughs> see everybody do it. It's like yeah. very common. Whereas people who do what I think Harris actually coined this term steel manning, right? So there's straw manning where you present the weakest version of someone's argument. Mm, oh, and then there's manning, steel manning, which is like you present the strongest version of their argument. That's a great way to put it. That's for most people like a really boring type of argument to listen to. It's much more it's fun. It's also really hard to win. Yeah. Because you're making it really hard to argue. Like you have to really know what you're talking about to tear down the best points that the other side is saying exactly. as opposed to the weakest points. Well, but I think it's also the only way to win. It is. Right. Yeah. Well, the other side's not going to listen to you if you present their argument wrong. Yeah. Right. Then there's going to be like, well, you didn't know what AR that AR didn't stand for assault rifle. Exactly. So like, why are we gonna? Listen How to can you? I seriously yeah. take your opinion? Or you're loading the bullets backwards in the picture. Like, why should I trust what you're saying? Right. Yeah. I think that's a, a steel manning. I'm going to use that for the future. It's yeah. a good way of putting it. So after you know he he gives that in the beginning, which again I think is like a good preamble, and then he kind of gets into some of the basic value of guns for self defense. And the first one that stood out is just the police are never going to arrive in time right. if there's actually a home invasion situation, right? It's yeah. like a nice idea that you can hide and call 911, but in most places, you know, there's no way a cop is going to get there in under 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, somebody can easily ransack a lot of your house, kill you and get out of there. Be gone. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, one response to that is like, well, you know, there are other ways to defend yourself. And his argument is basically like, no. Because even if you have a knife or a gun, somebody, you know, a guy who's tall and stronger than you, it's not going to be that much of a deterrent, a knife to a certain extent. But his quotation from the article is that a world without guns is one in which the most aggressive men can do more or less anything they want. I think that's a really good point. And I also really like that he used the word men there because I actually think that's one of the arguments that gets lost about in the gun control debate is that it evens the playing field quite a bit. Actually, people make the opposite point a lot of mm. times about how. I think it's something like women get shot 
you know, from domestic, there's like the whole domestic abuser oh, yeah. argument, which I, I actually think there's some validity. If somebody's convicted of domestic abuse, maybe it makes sense to not allow them to have guns or have some probation period or something. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Right. So I'm not arguing against that. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. But I actually think that's one reason why it almost should be, you would expect women to be more pro-gun. Mm. It's not about size anymore, right? It's like if you, you can be the smallest woman and this guy could be trying to hit you or abuse you or something. And if you have a gun, you got self, I mean, you're protected. Yeah. I mean, a guy who'd have to be an idiot to still try to do anything at that point. It doesn't matter if he's like seven feet tall and 350 pounds, like, and you're five feet and a hundred pounds. Right. So I think the point he makes that you know, the world without guns is one which the most aggressive men can do more or less anything they want. I mean, it's a great point. Yeah. Well, because he gives the example even of prison guards, too, where there are cases of prison guards who usually don't carry guns, hopelessly standing by as one of their own was stabbed to death by a lone prisoner armed with an improvised blade. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of weapons. Yeah. Is that it lets you take down a stronger person or thing. Right. It evens that physical playing field. Yep. And he points this out, too. And, and this is sort of maybe the martial arts fallacy that, oh, if you take a few self-defense classes, then you can stand your own. I think this probably gets, I mean, again, going back to the women's self-defense thing, right? You see like martial arts movies where it's like, you know, small, tiny woman is like taking down these big burly guys. Yep. And there's probably, you know, like Ronda Rousey, right? She can do that. <laughs> but, you know, most women, if you run into like a six foot five most guy, people most people, yeah, I mean, like yeah. if I run into a six foot five guy, like I'm not doing anything, right? It's just sort of a fantasy that you'll be able to take down a determined attacker, let alone more than one. And really the only thing that consistently levels that playing field is a gun. Yeah. Actually, one of, uh, I don't know if Jocko said this, but when I used to train martial arts, like that was something they, at least my instructor, kept bringing up and i think there was something that had happened to somebody who used to train there he never quite told the story so i don't know for sure but it just seemed the way he was telling the story so you'd always give the argument that like it doesn't matter how well trained you are if you have a choice between getting out of there or engaging in the altercation get out yeah because he was saying like you might be used to fighting someone in jujitsu and be like great at jujitsu but in real life you put someone in a choke and they have a knife and you're screwed right like you might feel that false sense of security like oh i got him in a choke it's over but like you're done exactly right? like, other weird variables that you're not used to there's other things they could have a gun they could have a knife like you don't know what they have right yeah. and so he was like the best way to just deal with it is get out if you can so if you can you know get them on the ground and run away that's great you're not being a pussy because you're doing yeah. that that's like you're being safe <laughs> that was what they always told us in martial arts classes too was like if you're not you know getting put in a car then just give them whatever they want. Yeah, it's not worth the 100 bucks. If they just want your keys or your phone, your car, whatever. Most of us don't even carry very much cash anymore. So it's just like, okay, you want my $20? Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. You go. Or even just like, you know, give them the iPhone X, right? Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's really not. Yeah. So I think, but what he's saying here is like, if there were no guns, right? I mean, I think he's made this point pretty well is, is just like the biggest, strongest people would just it'd be a free for all for them. Yeah. So this evens the playing field. Evens the playing field. And then from there, he starts to go into more of, kind of the statistics, particularly around violent crime and school shootings. And he gives the example that, you know, 50 million kids went to school on the day that 20 were massacred at Sandy Hook. Even in the United States, the chances of a child dying in a school shooting are remote. And that's part of what has to be kept in mind with all of these things. It reminds me of terrorism. Yeah. A lot, right? It's ex they're extremely salient events and they feel really relevant and like worth being afraid of. But statistically, you know, they're just like incredibly low. I mean, I somebody was saying this uh, after the movie theater shooting when 
that was mentioned in the article too. Yeah, right. And that was saying, Aurora, right? In yeah. uh, Colorado. Yeah. Or was that Aurora? I thought it was in Florida. Maybe you're right. Well, Florida there was the nightclub. Florida was a nightclub. Okay, yeah, that was right. Orlando. That one was arguably terrorism. I don't know. I would I would classify. I mean, they yeah, could be that one sounded categories. like yeah. Well, the wife is on trial right now. Oh, really? Yeah, that like if she knew or she was like part of the plot. Oh, or, yeah. Because he said that he was ISIS inspired, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, they can be both things can be true. That's true. Mass shooting and a terrorist attack. But well, but my point was that you know you're much more likely to die in a car accident on the way to a movie theater right. than you are like probably magnitudes more likely than you are to get shot up in a movie theater. Yeah. Right. But there's dozens of car fatalities every day and we never we're accustomed to hear about them or think about them yeah we're used to it right he gives the example that what is it a hundred thousand people a year die from nurses and doctors failing to wash their hands properly right then that is more than have been killed in like all mass shootings that we've heard of you know combined by like at least an order of magnitude yep but we don't think about those things and also like i think the stat uh, and this is maybe jumping slightly but mass shootings are not even 0.1% of all murders. Exactly, yeah. In the US. Yeah. Not even all over the world, just in the, just US, the US even. It's not even 0.1%. But it's this salience, right? It's like we hear about it and we think about it. I think the other good point to bring up in this section is the, I'll just read it from the article, 30% of urban households have at least one firearm. This figure increases to 42% in the suburbs and 60% in the countryside. As one moves away from cities, therefore, the rate of gun ownership doubles. And yet gun violence is primarily a problem in cities. It is the people of Detroit, Oakland, Memphis, Little Rock, and Stockton who are at the greatest risk of being killed by guns. So that also kind of shows like it's not a linear, like the density of guns is causes shootings. Yeah. It seems to be the opposite, actually. Yeah. It's not purely an ownership issue. Yeah. Right. There's something else going on there. Also, one thing I was curious about for that number, this was in my notes, is the 30% the legal gun owners mm. or are there like more like is there more of a black market for weapons in cities which i guess but i yeah. don't know if that's being factored into the 30 i would imagine not probably not yeah yeah it's gonna be census down. so i'm curious like if that's you know if you factor that in what's the percentage so then maybe then it's it like might be quite a bit higher yeah is it 50 is it you know i don't know what i, I would imagine it increases a bit i don't know how much it would increase it right. so yeah, I mean, I'm just curious if that... And it's also probably incredibly hard to get that number. Like, how would you even get it? Yeah, it would have to be, like, survey data. Yeah. That's going to be pretty unreliable. I mean, who answers surveys, right? And also, who, yeah, we were talking have about Have you that. ever answered a call like, no. hey, you know, do you own a gun? Right? No. So there's a whole sampling error. Yeah, exactly. And then know. there's also, like, the people who would respond to that survey are probably not the ones who have exactly. the weapons. It's just like, it's like the old people you... sitting around at home, just, right. like, happy that somebody called them. Right. right? Like, oh, no, I don't own a gun. Yeah, so I don't know how that would work. Well, the legal owners, you could probably have a better sense. For yeah, well, because there's going to be some registration right. on there, right? But yeah, I mean, there there's that side of it. There's And he's pretty much just running through a bunch of stats here, right? Yeah. The one that I thought was interesting was that the murder rate has gone down quite a bit since the federal ban on assault weapons expired in 2004. Yeah. So I didn't know there used to be a ban. Yeah, I'd heard about it. I wasn't that familiar until this article. Yeah. I'd heard, but I was like, oh, okay, maybe I was like in like the 50s or something. I didn't know. I didn't realize it was up this recent. But apparently, I mean, it only went away in 2004. And in the last decade, the overall rate of violent crime has gone down by about 22%, right? So murder has gone down quite a bit. 
despite you know assault weapons being legal. And that makes sense because uh, he talks about this in the next paragraph that many proponents of gun control have observed that the AR-15, the gun that Adam Lanza used in Newtown, is now the most popular rifle in America. But only 3% of murders in the U.S. are committed with rifles of any type. If 3% is really low. I think you brought this up on a previous episode, but it's like, I don't know if you want to actually like examine this issue critically. It's like you got to look at handguns and not the assault weapons. Which is the big point he makes later yeah. on in the article because yep. 47% of all murders are committed with handguns. Right. So 15 times as many are done with a handgun than an assault rifle. Right. But... Everybody wants to focus on... Well, they're bigger, scarier looking. Like yeah. They make really good TV. So I think that's a big part of it. That came up in Amusing Ourselves to Death, too. It was like, right? It's like the imagery that's going to be going to play better on TV is what's going to be used. So when they want to show that loop that they got to show for 24 hours... It's a lot easier to show the it assault scary. rifle. It looks scarier. Yeah, that looks like something a military person would use. Well, and I mean, the fair side of it is that all of these mass shootings have been done with something like an AR-15, yeah. right? But Okay, but here's the flip side of that, yeah. right? Isn't an availability thing of like, they're using that because one, it's the most popular. Like, I would argue there's a lot of inspiration school shooters oh, get from other yeah, school yeah. shooters. Mm -hmm. So if they just hear... This is going to sound really fucked up, but if somebody is thinking about committing a school shooting, right, and they're looking at what other school shooters do, this gun is always going to pop up. So they're... Yeah. Well, but probably also, some social proof is what I'm trying to say. Right? If it is the most popular rifle, oh, it is right, the also. most likely yeah. one to be used just because that. it's popular. Right? I saw that too, where like, you know, this is not really talked about in the article, but it's brought up a lot where people say like, oh, it's always the crazy white kids who do school shootings, right? It's like, it's not disproportionate, actually. If you look at the numbers, it was it's the same as the population. So it's not out of uh, sync with the... There are mostly white people in America. Yeah. It's like the biggest ethnic group, right? Yeah. So Or racial group. So it's like, it's almost an exact proportion to... It fits the base rate. It fits the base rate, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing with the AR-15. Is it, does it fit the base rate or is it used disproportionately in that? Uh, I mean, I don't know the answer. And there's probably not honestly a big enough sample size, no matter how many school shootings there have been. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of variation in right. that. And also, I mean, to keep in mind, Virginia Tech was done with two handguns. Right. Or what you mentioned in the article. A lot of the gang ones, I would imagine, are done with handguns because yeah. they're much more hidden and right. much easier to, you know... It's probably mostly handguns. Right, which is probably why the number is so skewed. UT Austin was a hunting rifle, I think. So you know, that's never getting banned. Right. Well, he, he gets into what could and can't get banned a little bit later. But yeah, but I think like it just brings up a good point of like blaming that specific model of gun, especially based on the fact we've already had a category of gun. Well, yeah. we've already had an assault weapon ban, right? And like, I think the that's the hard thing about like any of these like political situations is you can't rewind the clock and be like what other factors were involved in that murder rate drop or maybe there was something that was unique about the 90s that even though we had this assault weapon ban there was just an abnormal number of murders for some reason yeah maybe there's other fact you know because there's only samples as one for history right <laughs> so right really you can't go back and rerun the tape right yeah. exactly yeah i mean that'd be great it's like the contrafactus in uh go to lesherbach yeah right, right exactly <laughs> yep well, it's like hard to know if like this whole thing of like the murder rate has fallen precipitously since the federal ban on, on assault weapons mm -hmm. expired in 2004. It's hard to know if that's a cause or effect thing. Like, right. did it fall because? Probably not. Probably didn't fall because the assault weapon ban was lifted. But what else was going on at the time or since then that has made that rate drop? I don't know. It's also like crime in general was going down. Right. So did it go down faster, slower? Right? Like We don't know how it would have changed. Second order effect as yeah, opposed exactly. to first order. But I mean, it's just the stats on the mass shootings and stuff are really wild. And I think that's why he gives so many examples. You know, he's got this other stat that 70 mass shootings have occurred in the U.S. since 1982, leaving 543 dead. And those crimes were horrific, but 564,000 
1,452 other homicides took place in the U.S. during the same period. So mass shootings are barely 0.1% of all murders, right? It's almost a rounding error. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it is. It is a rounding error. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, with the point of what people get fixated on, right, it's like, I mean, I can go back to the media, but it's like if you look at the proportion of media time that's devoted to each of these homicides, it's probably like the terrorism homicides and these school shooting or mass shooting homicides have gotten like probably all the airtime, like 99.9999% of the airtime versus the other 560 something thousand homicides have gotten no airtime. Nobody wants to turn on their TV every day and hear that a new town number of people were like killed in Baltimore, Little Rock and a few cities combined right that day because it's like, well, they'd be reporting that every day. Well, it's also weird because I think a lot of people, um, I was actually just having a conversation with someone on how to fix this because it's like really bad, but it's like we almost view those parts of our own cities as like a different country. I think that there is a lot of... It it is like a separate country. So that's why maybe when you see that on the news, whereas you see a school shooting, you're like, oh, school shooting. I went to school. Yeah. That could have happened to me. It could happen to my kids. Right. But if you see like the South Side Chicago thing, you're like, oh, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. But obviously it's like the same problem, but it's, well, it's not the same problem as we've been talking about. It's a different, (laughs) it's a different type of problem, but it's still a homicide. Right. In the same way that this is a homicide. And there's many more of those. Yeah, I I think people do weight those lives differently, right? I mean, nobody will probably admit to it, but they care way more about like a kid in Newtown's life than they care about like a gangster in Detroit's life. You know what's really bad though? What? Which is going to make us sound like we're taking a side, but I swear I'm not taking a side. I just want to point this out. The NRA said that. Oh, they Last did? week, yeah. They but said they care more about the kids? They said the... when the white mothers came out and started crying. Oh, yeah. Now that everybody's talking about this, but when then That's they brought this outside Chicago thing, right? I thought it was a good point. Yeah. I was like, yeah. It's like, that kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. that is what's happening, right? It's like when it happens in a more affluent community. Yeah, when it happens to like rich white kids, people, people care. care. Yeah. I thought it was a valid point, but they got like raked over the coals for that comment. I mean, people don't like uh, having to look in the mirror about that stuff, right? It's pretty hard to argue against, though. Because it happens every day, as we were just talking about, in greater numbers, too. I wonder what people in Southside Chicago think about that. I'd be very curious, because you won't hear that opinion on the media, most probably. Be curious what they would say about, like, like, if they see a school shooting like this, do they feel like, oh, this happens every day? Or, like, to them, is that normal? Yeah, I don't know. Or is it, like, crazy yeah. still to them? I knew a woman from somewhere in the Middle East, like a super, super rough area of the Middle East. And she, like, left as a kid. And she was really critical of, like, people in the U.S. for being so upset about 9-11. Oh, because she was basically like, shit, like, that happens every day where I'm from, right? Where it's like hundreds of people die and, you know, like, these bombings and these fights and this military stuff, right? And it's like one thing happens in the U.S. and everyone loses their shit, right? And I'm not defending or criticizing that viewpoint. Right, but it's an interesting... But it was an like, interesting, you know, way of looking at it. Yeah, it's like a different perspective on, like, what's normal. And Exactly. That could be a big part of it, too. It's like, if what's normal for you is that every week or every month at least you hear about somebody you know getting shot, right? Then something like this doesn't seem that weird. But if you grow up in like a rich, safe, whatever part of Connecticut, and then a bunch of people get shot, like that is a much bigger shock to your system. Right. And that probably creates a lot of the, you know, difference in reaction and impact and memorability and all of that. I mean, and these are all tragedies. We're just trying to sort out the yeah. like reactions, the yeah. differences in reaction. Well, and this is a very common human thing, too, where we, you know, we don't process statistics. Yeah. We can't think about it 
reason we're not good at numbers it's kind of like the donating money thing you're much more likely to donate money to a single girl in africa than you are to a school in africa than you are to the you know students of africa fund right like as it gets more individual you feel a more personal connection to the problem even if your money would go way further at the broader level yeah right so i think with this too it's like well these unknown people getting shot every day that aren't getting covered right it's like we don't really care they're statistic right Mm, but these kids or you know this movie theater or like this one event it's like okay now there's like faces to it there's names that creates a totally different reaction yeah probably part of it too the personalization yeah that makes a big part in the reaction because it is the the numbers surprised me too that it's 0.1 percent right of all the homicides since 82 right 0.1 percent are the things that we focus on the most right which doesn't seem like the effective way to solve the problem if you view homicides as a problem well and here's the crazy thing is that we could wipe out 90 percent of the other homicides and we would still be having this conversation yeah so 450,000 people so we could be not dead. We were haggling about a rounding error. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And nobody, obviously, like nobody wants to say that someone's life is a rounding error. No, 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 definitely in, not. In the context like, of this conversation, it kind of lives, right? Yeah. It's like if I had the choice between going back to 82 and getting rid of all mass shootings, getting rid of all the other shootings, right? I'd pick the keep the mass shootings every time. And go right? and get rid of the Yeah, get rid of the other 563,000 people that died i mean it makes sense yeah and to clarify the reason that we're harping on this so much is that it's really important for the next part that he gets into which is the legislation side of this where everything seems to focus on these ar-15 you know assault rifles for lack of a better term and if we just got rid of those it would barely put a rounding dent in gun deaths in the country you know for one you can still have all the mass shootings right virginia tech that was done with two handheld or with two handguns right the like ut austin right hunting rifle those are guns that are pretty much never going to go away yeah extremely difficult to outlaw them and the point that he starts to make is that it's this big symbolic image of gun violence you know the ar-15 in particular but getting rid of it could almost be a bad thing because if we focus on that and we accomplish that, then, you know, we all pat ourselves on the back. It's like, oh, we did a good job, right? We fixed gun violence when it'll have almost no impact on the Right. Problem. And we'll think we'll be happy about it for like six months or whatever amount, probably not even six months until the next thing happened, right? And then it's like, oh, shit, this didn't do anything. And he has a really good quote in here, which is, it is no exaggeration to say that if we merely had 300 million vintage revolvers in this country, we would still have a terrible problem with gun violence with no solution in sight. And any person entering a school with a revolver for the purpose of killing kids would most likely be able to keep killing them until he ran out of ammunition or until good people arrived with guns of their own to stop him. Yeah. Did you watch that video he had in there about fast reloading a revolver? Oh, with the speed? Yeah, with the speed loader. I didn't see the video, but I've seen a speed loader in real life. That was impressive. Really quick, you could reload it in like ten seconds, yeah. if that. And which like they're not that hard to buy, so somebody no. could buy one. And yeah. even if you had no assault rifles, they could still well, reload pretty. Well, quick. and that's the thing is that he mentions here, right? The Supreme Court has ruled twice that banning handguns would be unconstitutional. I wonder what the logic was for that. Because if they could ban assault weapons, curious why they couldn't ban handguns. It may have come down. So I would to say a, rifles were more like if you are a historical, like a was it constitutionalist? Constitutional I guess scholar. Or, no, or oh, like, okay. or like the, yeah. you know how there's like the debate between the original meaning versus the evolved meaning yeah. of the Constitution. So like, most oh, like a purist. Yeah, or, most purists are like, okay, you can't ban any weapons or any guns because that's like allowed in the Constitution. Um, I would imagine those people would have had a problem with the assault weapon ban and the handgun ban. 
but I'm wondering why the assault weapon bin was okay, but the handgun bin wasn't. I, and I don't know the answer. I'm curious if someone knows. Cause yeah, I don't know either. I don't, I don't know what the classification difference would be. You know, we should have written this down for the episode, but I'm going to look it up right now, which is let's read the text of the Second Amendment. Good idea. And maybe we can figure it out just from reading that. Because I, I know it kind of in abstract. You don't know by heart? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. God, that is really obscure, right? Yeah. That is just, that is not clear at all. Right. Exactly what that's intended, which is deliberate, I'm sure. But being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. There's a lot of things that you could ask, like, what does that mean? Like, how are you defining state? Is it state as in a government or is it state as in a state? Yeah. And then defining arms. Right. Like the Supreme Court ruling must have had something to do with drawing the line at arms, right? Like what that what word that means. means. Yeah, I think they drew the line because I don't think there was any controversy about like you can't own a tank. I think that was like one of those things where it's like... I think uh, you can though. No, I don't think there's certain weapons you're like not allowed to have. Like there've been stories of kids making nuclear reactors in their garage oh. and the government comes and confiscates <laughs> it. Yeah. Because like, apparently it's like doable if you know some nuclear engineering, I think. You can make it happen, but like, yeah, I've heard it's like frowned people, upon. Not, not frowned upon. Like, they can just confiscate it. And there's like no controversy about that. <laughs> yeah, it's understandably. Like, yeah. So I know there's like, I don't know where they draw the line exactly, yeah. but like, there are certain weapons that are just straight up like, oh, machine guns. That's true. You can't yeah. own a machine gun. I think there's some vintage ones that people are allowed to have that yeah. were like grandfathered in or something like that, but like, they're very rare. It's got to be like an antique kind of thing. That right. They, that's where they drew the I think line. It has to be like designated a collector's item. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Like, you can't go to a store and buy one or go to like a show and buy one well and the guns like the because i think the ar-15 military version can go full automatic okay but the yeah i'd imagine it can yeah consumer version cannot yeah it has to be modified to prevent that okay so they have drawn the line in certain places yeah like that's actually little. another perfect example of when you hear people talking about this stuff and they just sound they like completely retarded fully automatic weapon it's yeah. an automatic weapon well and they'll say something like this is a gun that can fire 100 rounds a minute right and it's like no right or no they'll say something crazier than that but you know one no it can't go full automatic two it's not even sort of a relevant point to the discussion it's just a fear-mongering tactic right, yeah. right? Because you hear that and you imagine them killing 100 people in whatever tiny time frame it is, right? It's yep. just absurd. But anyway, it's sidebar. So you're right. There are things that are banned. Yeah. So I wonder, I'm curious. I mean, if someone who's listening knows, I'd be very curious, you know, if you could yeah, send us a link they, or tweet to us. Like, where did they draw the line? Or how did they draw the line? Like, where was the, I'm sure it's in the, you know, whatever they have that when they release the um, rebuttal. No, not rebuttal. There's a word for, like, usually oh, the dissenting yeah, judges put a... They put out some reasoning why they there's there's a word for it anyway. My dad's gonna be really embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the term. Yeah, for but that I'm here. curious if somebody who's listening knows like how did they set the line for automatic weapons? Like I don't hear anybody talking about like that should be legal. So I'm curious what was the legal logic they used to define arms to make that. Anyway, that's that's something I'm curious about. One thing he brought up here that I had not thought about, but was was kind of interesting. I was curious what you thought, or he didn't really expand on it. I wish he had. So I'll just read it from the the article. Mm -hmm. The only other variable to consider is the number of rounds a gun can hold, because this dictates the frequency with which a shooter must pause to reload. Here, the path to increase public safety is reasonably clear. In California and New York, for instance, one cannot buy magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. I don't think he expanded on that too much. I was curious if in those places they saw any change after that change, like any change in the number of shootings or something after they made that switch. Well, I think that wouldn't affect... And it wouldn't be that... Yeah, because things are grandfathered in as well. Well, no, no. I mean, I don't think that would affect 
the vast majority of shootings, right? Yeah. It would only, I think, be mass relevant shootings. in these mass shooting cases. Yes. Yeah. But that also seems like such an obvious law to pass, yeah. right? I find that one really hard to defend. Right, I agree. It's yeah. like, what would the justification possibly be for keeping these, you know, 30 plus round mags on right. the market? I, I I guess it's like, oh, well, it's more efficient when I go to the range, right? Like, oh, I, I want the full collection, right? But that's, that's not really compelling. Yeah. The, I think the better argument is that uh, there's a lot of guns already out there that only have 17 round mags or you know oh, like oh yeah they have the larger mags so can you yeah. retrofit like is there some easy you know that's the that's the thing i'd be more curious about like from maybe that's where the resistance comes from oh uh, well, i bet you could and i'm gonna give away some naivete here i'm sure but since the i feel like you could just produce mags that are cut like have an internal block right so that it can't be loaded to the full 17 mm. right yeah no but also but this is only for buying new magazines though i'm saying what about all the ones that are already out there oh like dealing with those yeah yeah i mean i guess you just have to hope they filter out of the system right yeah time. or as they break down yeah like, and i guess the argument against it would be that well if somebody breaks into my house and they've got a gun that can fire like 30 rounds and i can only fire 10 right how do you expect me to defend myself against mm. that right because all the bad people are going to get the illegal big magazines and i'm going to have the small one and so so you're like handicapping the yeah, law abiding exactly you're handicapping the good people right why would you do that yeah this is such a hard thing i like it is it's really tough because like i don't know how people have i mean maybe if you have a definitive position and can also rationally speak about this with us i'd be very curious <laughs> to hear okay there's a lot of emotional arguments to be made on both sides like oh, the government's gonna come take my guns i'm gonna fight no you're not you're not gonna fight back yeah. and the other thing is like school shootings are a problem all these homicides are a problem and like they're a uniquely american problem and i would love if we could find a solution to them so i'd be curious like how have people been able to take a position on these things that's so one side or the other without emotion i'd be curious if there are people out there who've like found the logical flaws in the arguments that were so stumbled on like, I, I don't know the right answer. So I, I will say, I think that it's not hard to have a position on the details. Okay. It's hard to have, and I honestly, I don't think you can be like an intelligent, thoughtful person and have a super 100%, like all guns should be legal, all guns should be illegal, right? Like that, you just haven't thought about it enough right. if you're 100% on one side yep. or the other. Because it's like, you know, agree. going through this, right? I really don't see a strong argument for keeping things like AR-15s legal. Yeah. I know that it will be a drop in the bucket in terms of lives saved, but it's like, you know what? It doesn't hurt. It's a free option. Yeah. Just get rid of them. I respect that, you know, people want to keep it, but it's like, look, you know. It, but all, what I'd also be curious about is, it, is that just the brand that's getting like the scapegoated or is it the category? Yeah, I'm using that to capture a category, right? Okay. I, I would say that we have to leave handguns legal, right? I really can't argue in favor of outlawing them. Right. Given the situation on the ground. Okay. Okay. Right. You know, if we're going to go to Mars and create a new world, okay, let's not bring guns. Shout out Elon Musk. It's yeah. a good idea. Right. It's like if or I have the option. Or is it a good idea? Because when we talk about the biggest person. Yeah. Then they can overpower you. I don't know, man. Like, we'll just not bring any big people either. You have to stay here, Neil. You're too tall. Me and my like sub six limit. foot brethren. <laughs> A height and weight limit. Exactly. Yeah. It's like people are trying to like make weight. They're like cutting. They're at the like a sauna wearing like exactly a trash bag. <laughs> so you gotta get to this Mars trip, man. We're gonna do genetic testing. <laughs> Anybody with the warrior gene can't go. Well, I actually have that, so I'll stay here I was with you. Say, I was yeah. like, you're a Viking, so like, yeah. <laughs> you're your Scandinavian brother. Exactly. <laughs> Anyone who deadlifts is out. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can deadlift more than your body weight, you probably can't go. <laughs> Mars is gonna be a sucky place. Yeah, man. seriously, like, a very unattractive. <laughs> feeble planet. <laughs>
Elon Musk probably couldn't go with that. I don't know how tall he is. He seems tall. He seems tall, and I'm sure he looks like he deadlifts. Yeah, so. I don't know. Elon, hit us up. Yeah, let us know. Elon, how much do you lift? How much do you <laughs> Maybe you, Taleb, and us can go to Equinox. One yeah, exactly. Day. I assume he listens to our podcast. <laughs> Taleb definitely doesn't go to Equinox, though. No. It's like no, the opposite he... of the places that he would go. Like. When I was in Colombia, there was this like outdoor gym with free weights that were made of cement blocks and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, this is a Taleb gym. <laughs> That is awesome. And there's just all these locals, like no shirts, just like ripped out of their mind. Like, scary looking dudes. Really nice, but scary looking, yeah. right? They Picking wouldn't be allowed up cement on Mars. blocks and tossing them around. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be allowed on Mars. But no, I mean, that is actually a good point, right? Is if you go to a place like Mars and you've got a few really strong people and no guns, you know, they're they, going to rule the place. Pretty yeah, quick. they can take over if they want. It's going to be you're hard to defend their, yourself. You're relying on their internal morality, basically, to like not yeah. do that, which seems like a bad way to do it. It seems like a great idea until food gets short. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, you might want to keep them around. And then, you know, once there's some, then it's kind of this like mutually assured destruction type scenario where the only way to prevent gun violence is for you to also have or for them to at least have think some, you might. Yeah. Right. Because there, there is that argument. It's like, okay, if you do a mandatory gun buyback program and everybody in the state or the city or the country or whatever has to give up all their legally owned guns, there's a good chance that violence and violent crime is going to go up from that, right? Seems because likely. If you're somebody in Texas right now who's a criminal and you're considering breaking into a house. Hopefully listening to this podcast. Yeah, hopefully. I assume this is what you do on your break-ins. <laughs> You're like, try, they're like trying not to laugh with the AirPods. <laughs> like, God, these guys are too funny. No, but then you discover that, okay, everybody in the state no longer has guns. You know, it's like a free lunch, yeah. right? What do you have to be afraid of anymore? But if you're worried that any house you break into, there could be somebody just chilling in there with a shotgun watching you on their security cam. You're going to be a little more hesitant yeah. to go for it. Same thing with like a dog, I feel like. Like a dog is another thing where like, I know like this is probably a bad argument too, but okay. Okay, dog is this, is this is not the same so you're trying to ban dog. dogs no, no no no. i'm saying the opposite okay I'm saying like i know that people are they say dogs are a deterrent to break-ins as well right so if you have like a beware of dog sign yeah. it's like you're probably gonna pick a different house you know that's yeah. not something you want you don't want your leg being chewed off. i don't know have you, have you seen pepper i'm not sure Pepper's <laughs> fierce man oh put your shoelaces out and she will it's true it's, it's a really your shoelaces with a really short burglar yeah. they're gonna have to look out <laughs> <laughs> they, they start walking in and there's like they're like what's this rat that's like biting my ankles <laughs> no but she's getting big she's sleeping she doesn't know what we're talking about you're her, not a rat yeah but... <laughs> <laughs> sorry pepper okay back to this the, the counter argument then to what we've just said is that you don't want civilians trying to intervene in dangerous situations right and harris has a pretty good counter to that too you know there's this argument it's like oh well you know if you know, Nat and Neil are trying to defend the people in the coffee shop when a terrorist whatever runs in, then they might like catch somebody in the crossfire. He's got this great section here. I'm just going to read it. Uh, when an armed man enters an office building, restaurant or school for the purpose of murdering everyone in sight, things are going very badly already. Imagine being one of the people in the Houston video trapped in the office with no recourse but to hide under a desk. Would you really be relieved to know that up until that moment, your workplace had been an impeccably gun-free environment and that no one, not even your friend who did three tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan, would be armed? 
If you found yourself trapped with others in a conference room preparing to attack the shooter with pencils and chairs, can you imagine thinking, I'm so glad no one else has a gun because I wouldn't want to get caught in any crossfire? <laughs> That's a great rebuttal. Yeah. Because actually when I first heard that argument like of, um, this is actually something he changed my mind on. I think this is when I changed my mind on it. It was like, I was actually picturing like, yeah, if everybody was walking around with a gun, like it'd just be a just a mess right it's right. like oh like people just shooting each other trying all the tons of crossfire like i don't know i was picturing the worst case scenario right but when he broke it down like that it's like it's one of those things where it's kind of like having like a bug in bag or, or any of your emergency prep stuff mm -hmm. it's one of those things that's like you'd rather have it in that situation than not and we need to probably clarify something here too is that when we're talking about people having guns and when harris is talking about it we're talking about people being trained, trained yes too. yeah does he talk about that later? Or he he that... brings it up a couple times. Okay. I didn't highlight it, so it's not in our notes here. Yeah. But that's a really important caveat is not that you just like graduate from high school and you get tossed a handgun. Right. Right. The Japanese system is a good. I like that system a lot, actually. What is it? You basically have to take as much training as you would to drive a car, I yep. think. And then you have to go back for training every year, three years. And then you also grant the police the right to search your house. Yeah. I search do. your house. And there's like a bunch of stuff built into it. And they have like second most guns per capita or like. It's like pretty high up there compared to US. It's probably yeah. not second most, but it's high up, but just dramatically lower gun violence. And I think that's a really good way to balance it. I would agree. How can you get a gun with no training, but you can't drive a car with no training? Exactly. I'm not Cars are way more dangerous than guns. Right. So yeah. in, in on average, right? Well, and I'm saying, but okay, the other thing though is that like I'm curious actually how like the constitution I'm not a constitutional scholar by any means, right? So I'm curious like so cars are clearly like you need a license and like that seems to be the norm in every single state. I don't know if it was controversial when that happened when cars were invented. I have no clue the historical nature of that argument. Yeah. But the fact is you now have to have a license to drive a car legally. I don't understand why that's so hard to make the argument like that for guns. Like there's nothing in the Second Amendment that seems to say that that's not allowed. I guess it would become unconstitutional. I mean, you need to have a business formed. You know, to like do many different types of business, you need to like have different types of licenses. Like, yeah, that's not unconstitutional. But there's nothing in the Constitution saying that you have a right that the government shall not impede your right to do keep business in, or to, to know, keep a car. Yeah, keep a car, right, or and do business, right. And so somebody could argue that, like, well, if there's a possibility you'll be denied the license, then yeah, that's true. Actually, that's a good they're point. They're saying that you don't have the right to bear arms, right? And that's breaking. So maybe the loop here is that you never get denied. You just have to like keep taking classes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, right. there was a really good op-ed I read on this that was like interesting about talking about the mental health side of this, mm -hmm. where people say like, well, you should have to take a mental health examination before being allowed to buy a gun. And this guy brought up a really good point where he has, so he has OCD and he's a veteran and he has a gun and like he's well trained to use it. And he was saying, he's like, I wouldn't be allowed to have a gun if you classified every mental illness as not being allowed to have a gun because I have OCD. Yeah. Right. What's like, wrong with that? Well, like, no, it's just like what definition of mental illness do you oh, like? I where's see. the line, right? Because like yeah. many people have anxiety, many people have like minor. I'm gonna call them minor mental illnesses. Many people are but, prescribed drugs. Yes, no, but so that's how they would define it, though, yeah. right? They would yeah. define it based on the medical, like the somebody's examination, which would be a doctor. So basically, if you just take the number of people who are diagnosed with things, like all those people would not pass that part of the licensing, right? And so his argument is just like what. Like what type of mental illness? Because he's like, I agree that, you, you know, batshit crazy people who are ready to shoot up a school should not be allowed to buy a gun. But then he's like, let's dig into that, right? Like where... Where do we draw the line? Or what is that? Like, what is that mental illness? 
right? Because like there's minor depression, there's severe depression, there's suicidal depression. There's like, because the suicide thing, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah. Right. Like for the gun deaths, that's right, a, that's a really large big... percentage of the gun deaths is exactly. suicide. Well, yeah. And when people talk about, oh, you know, you're much more likely to kill yourself or your family member if you have a gun in the house. It's like, well, yeah, because you're trying to usually. Right. And like that's kind of where or that's one of the hard parts of those statistics is right. that so much of that violence is like intentional. Right. And it's not totally clear that if people didn't have guns, it would stop them. Would they switch to a different method? Yeah. I mean, exactly. suicides happened before guns were invented. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it makes it. See, that's the other thing, right? So this is, again, I'm going to argue the opposite side. Like we're going in this like musical chairs, like argument yeah. on every Which side. Good. Of the, it's yeah, why it's I like, fun. It's, it's why <laughs> I really like this article. And one of the only other topics I can think of right now that I think could have a similar back and forth would be abortion i'm not sure yeah. if we want to yeah if we can find a good article i think it would be a good one too sam but, harris please write yeah exactly although i don't know if his view is as like nuanced on that i don't know what his view is yeah but that's that's the other one along with the guns and a couple other things where i just find it so hard to like pick yeah, yeah. To, because there's so much nuance to it but that is what i like about this discussion too where it's like we i mean we don't have a hard side or a no. hard position on either side to it. And it's like, well, the argument I was going to actually just make that I was going to argue against what I'd previously said is that like, so the suicide thing, oh, yeah, right? the suicide thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the, well, suicide and it also applies to school shootings. So the suicide thing, like we were just, like, I just said, people committed suicide before guns were invented. Right. But would making guns harder to get or banned even, let's say reduce the number of those. Right. So let's say I'm just going to make it up. Let's say there's 500 suicides a month. There's probably more, many more than that, but let's just say 500 a month with guns. And if you ban guns, it goes down to 300. Right. And like, yeah, 300 people still committed suicide. Right. So it clearly wasn't guns causing the suicides, but are they increasing the magnitude? And I would say the same thing with the school shootings. You could make the argument of like maybe without like the era 15 or something. Right. Or like, you know, maybe without certain types of things, school shootings would still happen. But instead of, you know, 50 people dying, there would be like 20 people dying. Yeah, 20 people dying is still a tragedy. It's still horrible. But those 30 lives were saved. Yeah. So it's like we might be arguing in the public sphere about cause and effect. And yes, guns do not cause these problems, but they clearly magnify. I would say they magnify the effect. Yeah. So like, yeah. So then it becomes the argument of like, okay, then like, how do you make that decision? Right. Reduce the magnitude. We might be arguing about two different things, right? When people are talking about this in the public sphere, some people might be talking about cause. So pro gun people might be saying, okay, guns don't cause murder, Mm -hmm. which is true. Like they're not like the gun isn't doing it on its own, right? It's like a person doing it. Murder long before guns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that argument, like guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yeah. It's a caricature, but it's true. Right. Like the gun isn't deciding to do anything. Although there's a really good Nas song. I don't know if you've heard it uh, <laughs> no. called I gave you power and it's basically told from the perspective of a gun huh. being used in a killing. It's a really good song. Just go listen to it. Okay. It's an old song. It's only like 94 or something like that. It's an interesting song. Yeah. Anyway, tangent number one. Tangent number one. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then the other argument, right, is that like having the guns around clearly seems to magnify the effect of these things that happen. Yeah. Um, I think he brought that up with the knife argument before. Right. Like there are knife attacks. There are all these countries. like knife attacks in Chinese schools. Yeah. But instead of like 16 people dying, it's 16 people being injured. Or well, something yeah, like, it was yeah. something like instead of 20 people dying, 10 people die. Right. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's at least a little better. Yeah. Right. And, you know, a couple motivated people might be able to take down someone with a knife. Whereas a couple motivated people against someone with an AR-15, right? It's quite a bit harder. Chris Rock in his new comedy special on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. It's good. 
Uh, I'm, it, it's okay. It's not as good as his old ones. Okay. Which is me just trying to sound like a hipster. But <laughs> it was pretty good. It wasn't like, it wasn't amazing. But there was one thing about the knife versus gun thing that he brought up. That I was like, oh, that's a good point. He basically, I'm just going to paraphrase here. Where he said that people make the argument that 20 people can get killed by a knife too. And he's like, that's bullshit. Because if you're the 20th person who gets killed in a knife attack from a single knife person, he's like, you deserve to die. <laughs> and he's like, I'll tell you why. He's like, if you see one person getting knifed, and then the next person getting knifed, and the next person getting knifed. And you're just like, I wonder if he's going to stab me. <laughs> you just stand there. And I was like, oh. okay, valid. Because yeah, I guess with a gun that could happen in you know minutes in a couple minutes less yeah when yeah, it's, I mean, an assault weapon i mean kick open the door in a couple seconds yeah but, right so i guess the magnitude question i think is actually i think it's a valid point yeah no, right that guns valid. do enable people to kill much faster that's yeah. kind of the whole point but also on that magnitude thing or like on that topic and this is jumping a little bit but the <laughs> we jump around well the fine. discussion of guards yeah right and that's been one of the big counterpoints to Parkland right now is like, well, you know, if we take away guns, maybe that has to thing. But putting armed guards at schools seems like a no brainer. And it's it still is amazing to me that that's not a thing. Right. Yeah. I have no idea what the compel. OK, no, I, I've heard the arguments. I don't find so it compelling. So I think right? there's I think there's differences between having the teachers armed versus having armed guards. Oh, yeah. Arming the teachers is retarded. Right. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but putting armed guards at school that makes seems sense. like a no brainer. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't actually cost that much money relative to how much schools are spending anyway. No, right? a veteran like, security guard is probably like $45,000 a year. Way. It's probably a good way to, to hire some more vets too. Yeah. It's good. Well, and I bet if you sent a letter to all the parents in your county and you said, hey, we're going to put two armed veterans at your kid's school and we're going to add $10 a year in taxes. Like, is that okay with you? They'll be like, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll give you $100 a year, yeah. right? That what parent doesn't want that for their kid? Right. Right. It's like, yeah. who is seriously going to say, no, I don't want a train. But I think it's gotten conflated with the teacher thing. That's the problem. And then like now it's like, a, it's just like a mess of, yeah, and of then that people just being angry. The teacher who was carrying a weapon, like yeah. shot the kid's neck in California or yeah, whatever. It's just and like, which is so annoying. It's just turned into a mess. Yeah. And to be clear, we're not talking about like, you know, cheap, untrained rent-a-cops. No. Right. We're talking about like, you know. Soldiers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> soldier, right? like it'd be a great thing for veterans organization, right? Like yeah. it's an amazing job. And you're still probably going to be like capturing that patriotic feeling as well, because it's like you're protecting against essentially domestic terrorists yeah. for lack of a better term. And that seems like almost an, it seems like an important thing yeah. to say, right? It's, and you know, if I was sending my kids to private school and there was the choice to have like one that, you know, had more security than the other, right? Like I'm going to go for that. Yeah. And this is one of the, I think very real criticisms that a lot of kind of NRA folk have been saying of people like uh, Obama and other politicians who come out against guns and saying, you know, we need to do something about it. And it's like, well, when Lee and Sasha are like going to school and stuff, are you saying that you don't send armed guards to protect them? It's like, no, of course you do. Right. Because that's what you need to do. And it seems weird that there's so much controversy against having guards well, at public schools. I was in a group chat when both skin in the game came out and this a lot of these gun things were sort of happening in the news. Like a lot of people were talking about it. So somehow the conversation came into the guard question. And someone, um, yeah, I don't know who said it, but like somebody was like, oh yeah, I, I can't believe like they're suggesting that. That sounds really unsafe. And then somebody else responded like, 
Yeah, but the people suggesting it have no skin in the game. They all have armed guards, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it, and actually, it goes back to the magnitude problem, too, which is that, okay, we ban AR-15s and we don't get, you know, 50 people killed in an event. We only get 30, sure. right? Or you put a couple good armed guards at each school and maybe it will do nothing, right? There's, obviously, there's a chance they'll get shot before they can do anything. Yeah. But it could also mean that that situation goes from 50 to zero. Yeah, it's also right? a deterrent. It's a big deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, one of the point Harris makes in the article, too, is that pretty much all of the mass shootings in the last 30 years have happened at places that ban guns. Yep. Right. Well, actually, all of them. He had a correction to this uh, Gabriel Gifford. Well, so the, the caveat that I was making there was that I'm not sure about a couple of them that have happened okay. since he wrote the uh, article. Yeah. I assume in Vegas that guy was able to have one. Early, I mean, also he was like sniping, right? So right, yeah. he didn't really wasn't really relevant there. That one's still a really weird one. Nobody like really knows fully what happened with that one. There's like uh, honestly, I will not be surprised. That turns out to be a UT Austin type one mm. where the guy had a brain tumor. Yeah, and it was just was like something going on, completely yeah. wrecking his system. I, I haven't heard anything to support that. Right, but it seems weirder. There just seems to be a lot of like withheld information still. About yeah, that one, which I'm I don't know if we'll ever know for that. Yeah. To be honest, like maybe there's a reason they're not saying, but. Yeah, I'm still really curious. I think it's also... Like, there's a lot of questions. Like, how the hell did he get 20 guns into the hotel room? I mean, like, honestly, that doesn't sound that hard. It's one, really? it's Vegas, and two, oh, it's Vegas a hotel. Oh, Vegas is crazy. Right? Okay, yeah. Vegas is Vegas is crowded. There's a ton of people. But like, you're in the elevator with this guy, and some of the guns were huge. Yeah, but they disassemble, and you put them in a I duffel guess, bag, yeah, and you they, spend the whole day going out to your car. And then there was a the whole security guard question. Security guard question? Like, yeah, there was a guy who was like... Uh, like I think the security one security guard got killed, and it was like a few couple hours or something before oh, this stuff. Wow. There was like a whole. There was a. I'll send you a link. We'll yeah, I'll need to, I'll need to There's a whole bunch of like just questions that were part of the investigation that they just haven't answered. I'm sure. I'm sure they know or what yeah. these things are, but like, yeah, I'm, there's just not clear answers to the public yet. Right. For most of these events, the vast majority, they're happening at gun places that are yeah gun free zones, which again it makes it a target. Yeah, right. which is probably why schools are such a big target. Well, yeah. they're not like a target in like there's an organization plotting these things, but it's like we need to talk about that part too. Yeah. Which is like why, like the motivations, I guess, of people who are doing this. And it's hard to say exactly what it is. I mean, sometimes we do know like Columbine, they left a note explaining it, right? Yeah. And it was. Oh, the mass shooting in the church in Charleston. That wasn't a school, but that was a church. Yeah. And that, that was, was racially motivated. Racially motivated. Yeah. Uh, Orlando seems like it was terrorism related. Austin seems like it's racially motivated right now. Yeah. The Austin yeah, stuff is very strange. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when this comes out, there'll be yeah, information more on information. it. I think the fourth but, bomb happened yesterday. Yeah. Well, this morning in this San morning? Antonio yeah. uh, at a package facility that exploded in the FedEx facility. So it didn't reach whoever it was going to. But yeah, that one's wild. that's totally well that's also like different that hasn't happened in a while I right think. like yeah the only other example i can think of is a unabomber right which actually the so thing i found out unabomber didn't actually kill that many people it was i think fewer than 10 okay I but we know think that. about it as like some big scary thing well it is scary well yeah it is scary. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. bombs are showing up places obviously that's terrifying and uh, uh, there's a million packages now compared to where there were before there's way more packages now i feel yeah. like well i think the bomb <laughs> thing in packages is particularly scary because it's like it could happen to anyone right like, anytime you pick up a package right yeah now you're thinking about it yep and you can't see it coming right somebody walks into your building with an ar-15 you've got a pretty good idea that it's you there not, you might not be able to do anything you might not be able to do anything but you at least know something's going on <laughs> yeah right if you're 
just like going out to your mailbox. It's the randomness. Yeah, it's the randomness people. and surprise. It reminds me of, uh, yeah, I mean, you grew up in the D.C. area, so you remember the snipers. Oh, yeah. Was, that was fucking crazy. That was really scary. And that was like right after 9-11, too. I remember in uh, sixth grade, because it happened when I was in sixth grade. You were in fourth grade, I think. Yeah. Um, when I was in sixth grade, it was, so fifth grade was when 9-11 happened for me. And um, I remember in sixth grade, the first day that the shootings happened, they put our school in like a, not a code red, which was like lockdown. This is code blue. So it's like enhanced, increased security and you can't go outside and all that stuff. And everybody was starting to think like something like 9-11 had happened uh, again because that was the first thing your mind went to. And then I just remember our teacher told us like it wasn't, she was like, oh, I can't tell you exactly what happened, but it's not like last time. Oh, okay. And I remember still being like super scared because I was like, not like last time, but it's something like that. That would yeah. still cause our school. We were all like not sure what happened, but it's, that was freaking insane. Like people were pumping gas and just like sniped. But, and this is going to sound really bad, but that was not that many people either. Right? I think it was like 22 people. Oh, it was 22? It was oh, like jeez. Okay. I, let's look it up. I'm misremembering. I thought it was like five or six. Hold on. Let's find out. I could be wrong. Let's see. I, I, what I was going to say is that if it was just five or six, I feel like that could happen today and people just like wouldn't really bat an eye at it. Which well, is, so you think maybe it's a, a factor of the time that this happened? Like the, maybe there weren't school shootings at that Yeah, time. we didn't have this much stuff happening back let's then. Let's see. Okay, so 10 people were killed. 10 people, okay. That's, three were critically injured. Yeah, yeah it's actually not bad. bad. But that's not as bad as I thought. No, okay, sorry. 17. Oh, 17. 10, okay. but then they had killed seven before that, and then there were 10 injuries. So there were 20 shootings. So in 10 months, the snipers killed 17 people and injured 10 more. I wonder one of them is still alive. Yeah, one of them was sentenced to death, put to death in 2009 by lethal injection, and the other one has six life sentences. Yeah, but I mean, going back to what started this tangent, I... Maybe I just need to look it up and do more research and maybe somebody will have a good source for this. But I don't know what the compelling argument against guards at schools is. Yeah, I'd be curious if somebody knows what the answer to that is. Like, yeah. it can't be cost because the cost is not that much. Cost and again, if you add, your question is, a, I mean, your point is a really good one. If you put that question to voters, yeah. like if that was on a ballot, like, OK, your taxes are going to go up $10 or 20 you know, whatever the number is. But we're going to put two armed veterans in our local schools I feel like most people, whether or not even they have kids, would say, yes, that's yeah, fine. I would pay for that. I would pay right? for that. I don't have kids, yeah. which seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Right? And I think that... They're trained. The, they're... Yeah. I mean, because the argument against the teachers thing, I get... I understand that argument. That makes They're sense. not trained. They're not trained. No and there's experience. almost too many of them where it's like, I don't know. I feel like something could go wrong. I, it just doesn't sound like a good idea. There's so much matter. higher like variance. Yes, yeah, variance is the word I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's one thing if you put two armed veterans in a school. It's another thing if you give sixty completely untrained teachers handguns. <laughs> like, all right, have fun. Right, that's it's only a matter of time before somebody shoots a student. Yeah, like well, or somebody just or it's already, stupid, already right? happened. You said right? Yeah, it already happened. Yeah, and just like purely on accident, right? So it, that doesn't seem like a good idea. But it, yeah, I don't. No, I mean, maybe just a fear about crossfire stuff. But again, I don't think the crossfire argument's compelling. Yeah, right? I mean, the one argument I would say maybe people make is like, okay, this Florida school, Parkland had, uh, they had that one cop. Yeah, they had the one who guard. Didn't, who, in, I think he like, what, he ran and hid or something? He was like behind his car or something like that. Yeah, um, not 100% sure what happened there, so I don't want to. Yeah, and I know like, Trump already threw him under the bus. And yeah, stuff, so yeah, I don't know. Like, but um, I've heard that argument though that like, okay, this school had an armed guard, and like, look what that, look what the result was, right? And okay, that's a good point, but it's also like, 
if you didn't have the armed guard, the same thing would have happened. So it wouldn't make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, well, that, that's sort of the point is it's a free option. It's right? a free option. Right. It's like yeah. either they both get killed first and then you're in the same situation would have been that's either right. way. Or you've got a decent chance that they take care of it. The other problem, though, is the deterrent thing can't really be measured yeah. that well, right? It's exactly. like yeah. nobody gets an award for, deterrent. you know, all of the unknown school shootings that yep. got prevented by armed guards, right. right? Yeah. So there's definitely some of that element, too. We could also just give all the kids guns. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> no, I'm not serious at all. Okay, I was curious. I was like, <laughs> I was like wait, is this? Is there? A, is he going to continue? Yeah. With this He's not puzzled. Look he gave me, yeah, that was the. I think that was the most puzzled face I've ever seen from you. That, I was no. like, wait, is there something I've completely missed? Like, is this whole sponsor by the NRA thing true? Like, well, I mean, the, the one, I mean partial element to that is Uh-oh. the the well, no, 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 the, the one partial element to that is that this is actually an nra pocket no <laughs> made you buy guns yeah. um well no the training for what kids are supposed to do if the armed shooter oh, breaks man. in yeah. uh well and i've heard i've heard two explanations for this you know one and so what they're what kids are told to do is like you know try to get them with your pencils and hit them with your laptop and throw chairs at them and you know deter them that way and one interpretation I've heard from that is like, okay, well, you know, at least they get to feel like they're doing something, right? Probably prevents panic, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe helps prevent panic. They have a plan or something. The other much worse version I've heard is that it at least creates a few seconds of diversion for the other kids to get away, right? It's like, that's the best plan right now. Is it's better than no plan. It's better than no plan, but it's like... It reduces the magnitude, maybe. Maybe, arguably, maybe. Arguably. Yeah, but it's not, it does know. not sound like a good plan. Like, if no, that's the plan, it doesn't all. sound good yeah yeah and it's i can't i mean if i were a kid in high school right now and i was being told okay well our solution is uh hope that guns get outlawed in the next 20 years and in the meantime keep your pencils sharp (laughs) and hope that you can hit him in the neck i'd be like are you fucking kidding me get a guard yeah right like imagine being a kid at one of those schools. Uh, our school had two cops, two cops with guns. Yeah, we had a lot of guards, yeah. but I don't. Know I don't think it's the I don't, norm. Well, they, well, I mean, it was like a snooty boarding school okay. thing too, right? So that was part of it. It was private then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mine was public. We had we had armed oh, yeah, guards. Yeah. But, but were they, they were cops? Like they were actual they cops. Were cops. Yeah. Okay. Our school also had a drug problem, so I think that, that was might part be part of, of it. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the guards at our school had guns. I know they had tasers. Okay, ours weren't guards, actually. I should reword that. They were actual cops. Like, there were two cop cars parked outside every day. Yeah. We never had a shooting, thank God. And we still haven't, which is knock on wood. But uh, we had one guy who got into, like, a fight, and a gun came out of his pocket. A handgun that he just brought to school. He got expelled, obviously. But uh, he didn't shoot anybody, so... Did you go to high school in Maryland? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we had to cops and i don't know if every school in that county does i think they do i think but it's also a rich public school county like our school was not that good of a school in terms of like we had a lot of issues but like our county is very rich so i think that could also be part of it is just like they were just funding it so maybe their cop salary is paid out of the school or something i don't know exactly how it worked but they were actually montgomery county cops the public high school i went to had for a year had some cops too so might have been like an area thing Hmm. interesting yeah yeah i'm curious like what the percentage of schools that have cops or armed guards is are were the guards at carnegie or were the police at carnegie did they have guns i don't remember question i don't remember either because that would be another interesting point campus police yeah like i know campus police don't have guns okay but there were also like 
I think I'm right about that. Maybe they have guns. I don't think. They I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, we'll actually, find out. We go back. Well, actually, we're going back for carnival. So yeah, exactly. We're gonna we'll find look. out. We're gonna, like, <laughs> expecting. Right? We'll ask them. Hey, do you guys have? Do you guys carry guns? guns? Yeah. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they do though. I don't remember. Yeah. I actually, I don't remember the answer to that. All right, we'll have to look. Yeah. That would be an interesting question. The problem, though, is there's just not enough data, right? We would need way more mass shootings to get a sense of whether or not. Yeah, hopefully we never get that data. But if we had it, then we would know whether or not armed guards are actually a deterrent. Yeah, right. Because you could correlate. You could correlate to exactly. Yeah, I thought uh, Harris made a good point here, which this might be controversial for some people, but it's not. So, uh, well, it's not in my opinion, at least. (laughs) So he said. Uh, we live in a country where nonviolent drug offenders receive life sentences, but a man who rapes a 15-year-old girl and cuts her arms off with a hatchet can be paroled for good behavior after eight years, only to kill again. I do not know what explains this impossible distortion of priorities, but given that it exists, I believe that good, trustworthy, and well-trained people should have guns. I thought that was like a really good point that he made, because it's like, and this is coming up more in the next episode too, but like the justice system in america is like very fucked up yeah and this is not so much in that book but i think it will lead us to those discussions talking about it yeah yeah i mean we just have as he's saying like a very impossible distortion of priorities on how we handle criminals in america and so like his point here is that like there is a valid argument to being a well-trained individual with guns or having them around at least um because it seems necessary in a society where as he said somebody can rape a 15 year old and cut someone's arms off with a hatchet and get out in eight years. Yeah. Like and those people get, yeah, it's like they're, they're back out on the streets. Back out on the streets. They're on the streets yeah. right now. Not to mention all the people like that who haven't been caught yet. Right. Exactly. Right? Cause I think like the argument in some of these other countries, right? Like you could say there are fucked up things about Singapore, for example. Right. Yeah. But like in Singapore, if you do something like anywhere remotely close to raping a 15 year old girl and cutting her arms off, like you will be dead so fast. That's true. Like, there's no chance, right? It's like it's like medieval justice yeah. in countries like that. They still do public beatings too, right? They do. I think flogging. They I do think flogging. Still flogging. Yeah. I, I know, like Saudi Arabia still does whipping. Yeah. Um. There's like a lot of countries where they don't have this issue because like any there's that's such a deterrent too, right? Like if there's a chance that you and, and probably they get innocent people with that type of stuff too, right? So I'm not saying that's like we should go all the way to that, but all I'm saying is that like there are countries that people can try to compare America to and say like, well, they don't have guns and it's fine, but it's like, yeah, but they have a potentially barbaric justice system, mm-hmm. which in the book we are reading next week, oh, yeah. uh, we'll, that we'll comes up. about this more. That comes up. Yeah. After, after so. reading the book, I was kind of like, you know, we should bring back some, uh, some <laughs> corporal punishment, right? I feel like, well, no, there's something demotivating about like beatings well, more so than... Well, there's a deterrent than, argument again, yeah. right? So it's like... Um, yeah, I don't know, but I think like, going back to guns, right? Yeah. It's like Harris brings up a, this good point of like there are bad people out there. Like to right. think there aren't that's is a point. fantasy. Yeah. So I think that's a very valid point that he brought up. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. It's that you can either argue from the fantasy world point or from the real world point. And if you're arguing from real world, these people are out there, right? And the only way you stand a reasonable chance against them is if you also have a gun. And you or, let's say, a school, right? You shouldn't necessarily create a soft target that is, like, completely unarmed and full of vulnerable people. Like, that just does not sound good. And also, I think going back to our motivations behind some of these things, I wonder if part of the reason... So this is not related to guns at all, but it's just why schools maybe get picked as a target is that potential school shooters see that the attention that these kinds of things get. And that's really possibly what they're after. I mean, I don't know, but that's what I'd imagine is that, like... What's a pretty common argument well and i think part of it is 
wanting attention and it's the easiest way to get it. I, think, I don't know if we oh, talked about that. this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you said like if you have to be famous tomorrow. If you need to be the most famous person in the country tomorrow, how would you do it? You'd have to do something bad. You, like, yeah, you would have to do way. something like that. It's the only way to get that kind of recognition that quickly. And a lot, in a lot of these cases, there is that sort of element, right, of you know, seeking aggrandizement. Like, I know the Columbine killers, they wrote something about that in their note. Like, something about, like, genius not being appreciated. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. So it's a good way to get attention. Yeah. So Harris kind of closes with... I would say some concrete, uh, some arguments for and against some concrete steps that are proposed. So like the assault weapon ban, which we talked about. Likely just being a symbolic step. Yeah. Right. Um, so not, he that, also, not that it shouldn't happen, but. No, but I think his here is like, it's a symbolic step that actually is a delay. Yeah. We're doing something real about the problem. Because right? people will ban AR-15s and then. Well, and that'll use all their political capital for the next like 10 years and then you're done. Right. And, and then it's you're like, done. I mean, you can't do anything immediately because people will be like, we just gave you that. So, like, you can't get the other side to compromise if they compromise to give you, you know, like, right. so it shouldn't be what your first, at least it seems to me. Focus on something that will. Focus on something ideal. more. Yeah. I would actually argue the guard thing is a really good, it seems so really obvious. good first move. Yeah. It also seems like it would be hard to be against it. If yeah. The who's logic seriously going to argue against that, right? Right. <laughs> like, like, who's going to stand up and say, no, I don't want my kids, my kids to have protected yeah i want my kids to have no yeah i want my kids to have no protection and, and like to be clear we should go look for a counter argument after this because yeah. i haven't read one and there might be a good compelling case against it I, okay i've heard a lot of compelling arguments against the teachers being banned. yes so i'm not 100%. saying like, yeah not saying teachers yeah saying two cops or two cops or veterans or veterans i like the veterans i like veterans lot, better because a lot of cops don't get trained that well too yeah i agree and i actually think the veterans one is even harder to argue against well and the veterans one too it's like they'll hopefully at least have some more firefight experience yeah. right either from military training or, or just even training being yeah, on I mean, the, the ground yeah right? like ideally someone who's done a few tours somewhere right because the biggest fear would be you know a lot of cops are never in any kind of firefight situation and so a shooter shows up and they might lose their shit right whereas a veteran will actually like just they feel might have been normal. in those situations yeah yeah, yeah they'll be more used to it it'd be better hopefully yeah he has a good point here about the assault weapon ban which is uh when the next lunatic arrives at a school armed with legal pistols and a dozen 10 round magazines we should be prepared to talk about how an assault weapons ban was a distraction from the real issue of gun violence yeah, yeah harris gives a lot of tough love in this article but like it's kind of necessary i yeah. wish like more people saw this because it's it's a very like dispassionate like okay he's clearly like passionate but he's not like passionate in the sense of like getting emotional about the issue he's like this is clear let's like think critically like this is clearly a problem and if we want to solve the problem like let's not focus on these symbolic solutions let's focus on figuring out how to you know cut into the real heart of the matter here and it sucks too that some of this stuff that people have such a, an emotional reaction to the mere discussion of it because so i sent this article to a friend once and they were like Oh, I've never sent it to anyone, actually. Oh, I should yeah. probably do that at some point, but I don't know if I'm ready. Their, their reaction is basically like, obviously more people having guns is like a terrible idea, right? This or this article doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I'm not sure you even read the article. <laughs> they probably right? did yeah. Like, it's it just, they had it, and I know they didn't read it because they responded in like two minutes, right? It's, it's a long it's, article. It's, it's a long article. Uh, and it was just like, man, if you have that reaction to anything that goes against a belief you hold, like that's not healthy. It means your ego is tied up in that belief. Yeah, ego is like, just way yeah. too tied up in it. 
But I do like the, you know, another counterpoint to some of the things we've been saying is that like getting a gun license, so this is from the article, getting a gun license could be made as difficult as getting a license to fly an airplane, requiring dozens of hours of training. Now, I think the counter argument that people make to that is like, well, the bad guys don't get any licensing. So like, why should you make it harder for me to get a gun? But it's like, I think this one's a valid one. Yeah. I think this is this is one where even if you might think, yeah, okay, bullshit, because the criminal doesn't need any hours of training, like this is not one that you could be that much against. And I think I this think, is one where you could get people to compromise for sure. Yeah, exactly. If you're at the NRA and you're smart, this would be what you push for. Yeah. Right. I'd push for this and the armed guards. I feel exactly, like those are yeah. the those are the two because one, that makes also the citizens who have guns more competent. And it's I'm sure thing. the NRA could have their own licensed instructors and make some money off. Oh this yeah, thing. the NRA could just open a school yeah, for licensing, exactly. right? Make, <laughs> or dozens of them. That would be a at least nine figure a year business. Yeah, like I'm sure. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> yo, hit us up. You just want to do your marketing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems like an easy thing to concede on, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, look, we won't, you know, ban handguns and everything, but we will do licensing more strictly yep. we'll do regular testing yep we'll maybe you push need it for to get the guards. get the gun you need some type of training and every maybe not maybe people won't agree to two years maybe every five years you need a i'm actually shocked you don't need it for driving a car there are some horrible drivers out there who you can tell somehow passed the test in like 1960 or something yeah. and like cannot see anymore I mean, the funny thing is that <laughs> you do have to do that once you have an accident Oh really? Yeah, okay. because well, that would not be the model here. Th- this happens. It shouldn't my, be like that. You need to get a license after you accidentally shoot somebody. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it's not model. a great model. Yeah. It happened to one of my older family members uh, where okay. they got in a car accident because you know they're old, old yeah. and they couldn't see as well, probably or slower reaction time. And now the DMV makes them come back and retake the test every year or two. Oh, okay. But it, it's like <laughs> probably shouldn't have to wait to retake the gun <laughs> test until after you've accidentally like shot someone in the neck yeah it seems like a bad idea but like a bad idea but i think like the licensing thing makes some that sense. seems like a no-brainer yeah i mean i don't know if there's a good argument against that i don't i'm curious if there's a good i, I think the only the second amendment strong argument against it is just being a second amendment maximalist where it's like no it says you cannot get in the way right and i don't think that's a good argument so this is the other thing why has nobody proposed a modification to this like an amendment like a constitutional no, amendment. I think that would be the hardest. No, but if a very minor tweak in language. Oh, to clarify some of this? Yeah. I'm sure somebody has, right? Yeah, maybe. I've never even heard it proposed. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's been proposed and just got shot down so quickly that like because I know you need the yeah, I think you need 30 states to ratify it or something. There's like it's like you need a super majority. It's not yeah. just a simple majority. Yeah, I think you need well, I don't know if it's 30 states or if it's three fifths of the house. No, but you definitely need it goes to the states. It definitely goes, oh, it goes to the, the states, states too. too. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time we passed an amendment? It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be too hard. I don't know. But like, yeah. I'm not saying like change the amendment or get rid of the amendment or something. I'm, I'm just saying like reword it slightly to make it more clear or modern era or something. Yeah. I don't quite know. Anyway, that's one other idea. I do like how he ended this. Yeah, I was going to say that's the last thing we should touch on is how he ended it. Yeah. You want to read it? Sure. Start the intro. Yep. So this is from the article. Rather than new laws, I believe we need a general shift in our attitude towards public violence wherein everyone begins to assume some responsibility for containing it. It is worth noting that this shift has already occurred in one area of our lives without anyone's having received special training or even agreeing that a change in attitude was necessary. Just imagine how a few men with box cutters would now be greeted by their fellow passengers at 30,000 feet. Perhaps we can find the same resolve on the ground. I love that. Love it. I think it's, I mean, it's a great point. Yeah, and I think everyone should. Imagine if so, imagine that scenario now, if like, 
five people with box cutters were on a plane, that would Nuh-uh. not fly. Not fly. No uh, pun intended. <laughs> uh, uh, I think right. that means it's near the end. Yep, it's time to go. We're done. <laughs> yeah. uh, I should have just ended that and just, walked out. Yeah, just stop the recording there. <laughs> uh, no, but I think his point's a good one. It's like, yeah. it's like this is probably the societal level shift. I think I was talking about this on a previous episode where it's like not the NRA necessarily. That's the culprit that it's made out to be. Right. It's the sentiment on the ground. They're, so this a, sort of, they're a manifestation of manifest- an underlying ideology. Yes, if it wasn't exactly. the NRA, somebody else would be. Would be, yeah. There would be another institution that comes up. So I think what he's saying here, which I totally agree with, is it's like, this is our problem in America uniquely. And we kind of all need to like kind of, we're all going to need to compromise in some ways. Like, yeah, you might not like guns. You might be scared of guns you might, or you might think like they should all be banned. That's not going to happen most probably. Right? right. Same thing on the other side. You might think you should be allowed to own like a nuclear weapon and like the second amendment allows any weapon. Right. That's not going to happen either. So like we need to find some common ground to solve this in a way where, you know, yeah, we're still respecting everybody's rights, but like there are just some logical things in my opinion that make sense. Agreed. Uh, but I think what he's saying is like the shift in attitude is what's going to enable those changes to be made um, that we have to kind of take shared responsibility. So that was a good episode. It was a good episode. If you listen to this and you enjoyed it, you should read the article and yeah. hit us up. Free article. Check Free it out. Article, it's in the show it's like notes. a 20 minute read. Yeah. Made you think podcast.com. Yeah, it'll be in the show. Notes. Yeah. It'll take you much less time to read it than to listen to us talk about it. So That's true, actually. <laughs> you I'm, also, can, uh, I'm also like, this is a unique one where if you think we said something very ignorant on either side, mm-hmm. please let us know. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually very That's curious. That's what I was going to ask for, too. It's like if there was anything that stood out that we might have gotten wrong or that we didn't consider, yeah. like hit us up on Twitter because, yeah. like we said, we're both kind of unsure in this whole area on where we fall. And I think it's an interesting topic. Yeah. And if you can also talk about it in an interesting way, there's very few people who can do that right now without it just like devolving into a, you just want kids to be able to die. Right. Like, uh, so we appreciate any other interesting input. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I'd be very curious, like any links or anything that, you know, data, we did good articles. Consider. Yeah. Sam Harris hit us up. If we misrepresented your viewpoints. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I guess we should give some shout outs to sponsors. Yeah. Aside from all of that, Let's see. Who should we start with today? Well, I'll start with one that okay. I recently tried. So for, um, for Four Sigmatic, famous makers of our much recommended mushroom coffee. Mushroom coffee. Um, I recently got or I recently tried uh, a new one that they have, which is an adaptogen mushroom coffee, which has uh, something called tulsi, and it also has cinnamon and a couple other things. Basically, it's so mushroom coffee, they call like their creative think type of blend. So that has lion's mane and chaga, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of designed to sort of make your, it'll get you going on tangents. Let's put it that way. It gets your mind, <laughs> it gets your mind rolling because it's caffeine. It's got the lion's mane. It's got the chaga. It gets you really, your mind's hyperactive. And it's it, not hyperactive. Hyper, well, hyperactive is not stimulated. Stimulated, but it's, uh, I find I think really well with that. Yeah. Like, it's a good, it's, it's a good brainstorming yeah, it's a good one. Brainstorming, yeah. writing, thinking, recording active, podcasts, recording podcasts. Um, all good that's a great one so this one is slightly different this is more like it's going to be weird to call coffee relaxing but it's relaxing in the way that like a black tea is relaxing it's like invigorating it'll keep you awake and alert but uh it's not going to be the same type of like all over the place like chaotic not necessarily chaotic but like it's not the it's not the same as think Right, as a thing more like point. contemplative or contemplative it's probably better for like if you have to sit down and you know bang out an article okay. it's probably better for that 
right? If you're just brainstorming ideas for the article, I'd recommend the Lions Mane and Chaga one. Yeah. Uh, but if you are just, you know, you need, you know what you need to write. You just need to, you need a little bit of energy and you just need to bang it out. Like that's the one to have the adaptogen one. Um, also, I don't know if it has less caffeine. I didn't really check, mm-hmm. but I did feel less like caffeinated with it. But it also found it tasted really good. So the cinnamon added a good kick. It's like li- like a lighter roast, I think, than the mushroom coffee, than the original one. So it's light. It's like if you thought that one was too dark or too strongly flavored of mushrooms, this is a little lighter. Yeah, I've given it out to a couple people and got really good reviews on it. So nice. check that one out. It's at foursigmatic.com slash think. You get, I believe, 15% off. 15% off, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's also a good way to support the show. Excellent way. And then you can also check out perfectketo.com slash think for all your keto related needs. Typically, I like to get their coffee flavored exoketones. They also, so I, I always talk about the coffee ones. So I'm going to talk about some of the other ones. Talk about the matcha also. Too. <laughs> yeah, I always talk about the matchas. I'm going to talk about other things. Uh, they've also got a peaches and cream, a chocolate and a vanilla exogenous ketones. So those are all pretty good flavors too. I just, the coffee's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a keto pre-workout which is actually really nice. Uh, It gives you a really good boost before exercising, and it's only about 50 milligrams of caffeine. So you can have it in the evening. Uh, They've got a couple other things that help with like stimulant and including some BHB. So it's got the exoketones in it, less than a normal exogenous ketone supplement. I'll check that one out. Yeah, really good for before working out. They've got a collagen blend. So for getting some of that like ancestral goodiness in your diet, you can get all of that at perfectketo.com slash think. Or just type in the coupon code THINK. But if you also want some of that collagen-y, ancestral wellness goodness, then you can check out kettleandfire.com slash THINK. And they're the purveyors of fine artisanal bone broth. And it's, you know, shelf-stable. You can keep it in your cabinet. I've got like a dozen of them. My cabinet right now is delicious. Really good if, uh, you know, you want like something nice and warm in the evening. It's like delicious, light. Ooh, tomorrow's snowstorm will be perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good for snow. Good for if you're feeling a little sick or you can put it in uh, your food when you're cooking it. It's just like generally really good for you. Really tasty. Put it in your hair. Put it in your hair. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the, uh, you use the the perfect keto MCT oil for that. That's that's the the hair product. But yeah, so check out all the sponsors. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Yep. Thank you to everybody who's done that. Yeah, thank you to everyone who has done that. A good number of you have hopped on there and left us some nice notes. One person said that we do too much upspeak at the end of our sentences. Or no, not upspeak. They said we do a, I, I think I just did it right there where you like, go down to a really low level and kind of like, uh, like that. Uh, that that's our that. one, that's our one bad that. written review. I do it too. <laughs> and I've been trying to listen for it now. So if, if you too are frustrated by that, just know that we have heard the advice and we're working on it. So you didn't leave another bad review. You can just focus on all the things you love about the show. Most of the reviews are good, though. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're all that. good. It's just, <laughs> but it doesn't, it, Neil, it doesn't matter how many good ones there are. If there is one bad one, that will just ruin your day. That's how this works. So, yeah, the impression somebody who has never seen our review page probably just got was like, is this a bad podcast? Have I been listening? Am I the only idiot out there Excellent. who thinks this is good? We have thousands no. of five star reviews. Okay, now he's one bad review. Again, but yeah, uh, some of them are hidden for some reason. I don't know. Apple just features. Because you left them all. <laughs> my my, uh, my review team in the Philippines spends all week leaving nice reviews. <laughs> That's where all our downloads are, too, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great way to pump up your sponsorship charge <laughs> yeah. what is this? he's lying for sigmatic don't listen to him um 
All right, and then uh, I guess you can also click through to the Amazon link. So you go to madeyouthinkpodcast.com slash support. Uh, the link is right there. And uh, that is a good way to support the show. Buy the books that we recommend. Obviously, there's not a book in this episode, but any of the other books. Waking Up by Sam Harris is very good. I haven't read that, actually. For a Sam Harris book. Yeah. I know you've recommended that, that to me for like multiple years, and I still haven't read I'm it. really offended you haven't read it. I'm just waiting for the podcast episode. Yeah, we'll I guess we Sam should Harris. just do a podcast episode. That we do with him. There we go. So, him on. <laughs> Sam, you're, you're welcome to come on the show. We'll also invite your friend to love at you the same time. Cordially invited. <laughs> that would yeah. be a fun one to be a fly on the wall for. Oh, yeah. Just watch them yell at each other for six hours, <laughs> I assume, at yeah. least. <laughs> that'd be interesting. Oh, uh, that'd be fun. Um, yeah, so you can support the show. Go to uh, majorythingpodcast.com slash support. And actually, for any of the other links that we were mentioning, those are all on there too. So you can just click through, made it easy. And it's an easy way to support your friends here. Yep. And with that... What else can they do? Tell their friends. Tell their friends. Tweet at us. Join the newsletter at majorythingpodcast.com. Oh, yeah, the newsletter. And we've, we've sent another one. Yeah, we sent another uh, one out. So. We're getting good about it. <laughs> so uh, you'll find out what we're doing in advance. So yep. if you want to read something before we talk about it, you'll have it. We'll probably do some giveaways. We might do a meetup Show or something notes. in the future. Show notes. Yeah. All kinds of good stuff. And then also the bonus material. So yeah. many episodes before the episode and potentially after the episode, we have other conversations. Pure tangents. Pure tangents. All tangents. Yeah. And, and they could. some of them are interesting. We've heard. Usually uh, at least 10% complaining about Evernote and yeah. note syncing. <laughs> <laughs> Evernote, get on that. Seriously. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no. It's a good way to get some bonus material. If you, you can't get enough, made you think. Exactly. If the two-hour episodes are not enough for you're you. You're not thinking enough already. <laughs> you need something you else to make you think while you drink your mushroom coffee to help you think. And, and while you're, yeah, shampooing your hair with bone broth. Shampooing your hair with MCT <laughs> 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 oil. <laughs> Gives you something to think about. So I think that's enough yeah, related jokes for one enough. episode. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Yep, we so will see you next week. <laughs>